This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. Today we are going to be talking, first of all, about FBAR. So FBAR was something that we talked about two weeks ago, right? Yeah. And it has since been released. So FBAR uses the new Forge API to connect to your boxes to show you all the information about them, including what sites are on them. It will allow you to SSH directly into your box straight from your toolbar up at the top of your Mac. And I've been using it for the last week or so and have been really liking it. Have you got a chance to use it yet, Michael? I haven't used it personally. We don't really use Forge at work because we've got a lot of our own infrastructure. So it doesn't provide me with too much use, but I would like to install it just, just to play around with it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think one of the things that has been most helpful for me is to be able to quickly see which sites are on which boxes. Yeah. So, you know, I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I have five boxes here. And trying to remember which ones uh, belong to which sites can be a little bit frustrating. And so anyway, this last week I reached out to, uh, you're going to have to help me with his name. Jan. Do you remember his name? Jan. Jan, Yeah. I reached out to Jan and just thanked him and said, hey, thanks so much for making this. It's been really great to use. And uh, I asked him if he'd be interested in giving away some licenses for our wonderful listeners. So indeed, he gave me five and we are going to be dropping those codes throughout the show. So these are coupon codes that you can use to get a free copy of FBAR for yourself, which again, I would highly recommend. So we're going to be dropping a couple of those throughout the show. So make sure you listen to the entire show. And in fact, we are going to give you one right now. All right. This is a one-time code that you can enter during the, uh, the checkout process. It'll give you a 100% discount. So pens at the ready. 71569B1. There you have it, folks. A free copy of FBAR just for you. Thank you so much, Jan, for doing that and uh, let us know what you think for those of those lucky ones of you who are fast at your keyboard let us know what you think and hopefully you really enjoy it uh let's see what else we have here so why don't we talk a little bit about the medium publication that taylor kind of announced this last week on twitter yeah so it was just you know in my day-to-day scrolling of twitter i saw that taylor had tweeted that releases of laravel projects and any products so anything around the Laravel application and framework itself around Spark, around Lumen, um, even things like Forge and Envoy. There's now an official announcements publication that has been set up on medium.com. So we will link it up in the show notes, but it's medium.com forward slash Laravel dash announcements. And you can basically follow along there and keep up to date with any of the new features that, that are coming up, any, any new changes and things like that. Um, So it's probably easier than trying to keep tabs on everything on Twitter. I think that, you know, there's a lot of noise on Twitter and it's hard sometimes to to keep up with everything. So this is the kind of thing that you can just fire up in your browser and look at as and when when you need to. It's got RSS being part of Medium and you can also, you know, filter the RSS feed by tags. So, you you know, if you only want to track the, the Laravel framework releases themselves, you can narrow it down using the filters there. 
Yeah, this is nice because it covers Laravel, Lumen, Spark, some of the core packages, like maybe something like Passport or Cashier or something like that. So this is a great, uh, a great publication to be following. If you haven't used Medium before, check it out. It's really pretty neat. Definitely. Uh, Taylor had also said this last, I think it was maybe even just yesterday, he was talking about the upgrade path from 5.4 to 5.5. And it's not that really the update path in the past has been super, super difficult, but he had said that he's really aiming to make 5.4 to 5.5 the easiest upgrade that he's ever made. So I'm wondering how exactly that's going to happen. I'm supposing, and one of the people who was commenting basically said, that that becomes easier to do as you kind of cement your viewpoint, mm -hmm. right? And so this is the fifth release for Laravel 5. I'm not sure that Laravel has had any point releases that have gone above three in the past. Yeah, I think from memory, 4.3 was going to come out, but the changes were significant enough that, that Taylor opted to skip directly to five. So yeah. 5.4 and now 5.5, which would be around July, around Laracon time, I think Taylor said he was targeting for. Yeah, it would certainly be the the longest we've stuck on particular revision number, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of glad about that. I really like the folder structure, which sounds yeah. silly, but that's one of the biggest things that changes between these, these massive releases, like from 4 to 5, was the folder structure changed completely. And uh, I'm really enjoying how it is. And so... I like to keep that the same, but give me all the new features. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the things in 5.5 that I'm looking forward to as well that was just put out this last week and is on uh, Laravel News as well is Vendor Publish. So it's actually just some options really for Vendor Publish. So if you've ever developed a package and you have assets that go along with that package, so maybe there's a couple views or maybe there's some CSS or things like that that go along with the package you'll have to ask the people who are installing it to go ahead and run from their command line php artisan vendor publish and in the past what that had done is it would kind of indiscriminately regardless of which package you were really interested in publishing all the assets for it would go ahead and publish all of them so for instance like i know there's a package that Laracasts maintains that is a alert package mm -hmm. it puts like you know an alert at the top of your screen and you can pass something really easily through a controller i think it's called flash so you flash colon colon and then you pass through uh an info and if you put an info in, in whatever it will display a info alert at the top of your page in bootstrap so you could use those if you you could use his views if you wanted to but you could also have your own. So in the past, I would have my own views. And then if I needed to install a package that had to publish its assets, it would end up overwriting all of the views that I had made because it would publish the assets for Jeffrey Way's package as well. So in this new vendor publish, you have the ability to filter down really easily to the package that you want. And I think even maybe in the earlier, maybe in the versions that we have now, you can do it, but you have to specify the entire service provider and it's kind of fraught with errors and headaches. Yeah. So with this, you can pass it nothing. You just pressed enter and I think it will allow you to almost do sort of like an autocomplete. So I'm looking forward to that. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it will certainly make things easier, especially when you think you know what the service provider is that you need to enter. And I inevitably make a mistake when I do that. So it'd be nice to have that that reference where you just have to pick, you know, a number from zero through however many you have and the, you know, the, the artisan command will, will sort the rest out for you. Right. So you type PHP artisan and then you type vendor publish and then press enter and it will just list them out. 
and then you just select which one you want. So pretty neat. Speaking of that, one thing that I've actually been using over the last six months maybe is if you've ever used ZSH, um, which is kind of like an auto-completing thing for your command line. I have an Artisan auto-completer, which is pretty cool. Have you ever used that? I think I have it installed being as when I tab along in my in my browser uh, in my uh, terminal it it does auto complete for me yeah which is really handy for any of you who use zsh and are not aware of this you should definitely install that it's makes it really handy especially it even works if you have your own local commands that you've written so for me i kind of namespace all of my commands so if i'm on an app called check-ins it'll be check-in colon whatever is what i namespace all mine under but a lot of times i'll forget what they are so you just type check-in tab and it will show you all the ones that you have available and you can kind of tab to it and, and use it from there. So yeah, autocomplete for ZSH for PHP Artisan. Check that out. Yeah, in the show notes for sure. Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes as well. So another another thing that, that happened in the last couple of weeks was Laravel Live India. And it's great to see how much you know the community is expanding the world over behind Laravel, not just online but we're starting to see more of these sort of live events pop up these conferences outside of the the regular laracon us and eu so laravel live india was a brand new conference that was held for the first time in new delhi this past march the 19th Um, and we had some some familiar faces um speaking there was marcel and you'll have to excuse me because i'm really not sure how to pronounce his last name but it's marcel (laughs) posio um, and also friend of the podcast, Freik van der Herten spoke. And there were a few other speakers that I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not familiar with you, but I'm sure their talks were great. So this was a, a single day event that, that played out in front of an audience of about 200 people. And the organizers have said that their goal was to bring together bright minds to give talks that are idea focused and on a broad range of subjects in both PHP and Laravel to foster learning, inspiration and provoke conversations that matter. Yeah, I'm sure that had to be awesome for Taylor to see this stuff. Yeah. I saw him retweet it. And that's got to feel really cool to be the guy that is responsible for, I mean, not responsible ultimately, right, for organizing this, but the framework that they're using. That's really, really cool. I know that he said like one of the things that's really fun for him going to conferences is when people come up to him and say, you know, I was able to quit my full-time job and kind of start a side business and and do that as my full-time thing because of Laravel. And so I can't imagine... uh, that this would be really any different, being able to see your framework used kind of across the globe. That's going to be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. It's definitely changing. Maybe not, it's not life-changing. Like, well, I guess it could be depending on how you look at it, but it's certainly having an impact, you know, and that's that's not something that anybody can do, you know. It's, um, yeah. it's really cool to see it. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of uh, conferences, we actually had the Laracon Online conference feedback published on the Laravel News site. So... If you were one of the ones who attended the conference, you got a link at the end of the conference to go ahead and give some feedback on what you thought. So there was basically a 1 to 10 scale and then a, a free response section. And so they published what the results were of that. And it looked like 75% of people chose, I think, 9 or above, which is really good. It's really good. I mean, 9 and above. That's, they actually classify these different types of people. And those people would be considered promoters. So these are the people who are going to tell their friends about the Laracon Online conference. They're going to be the people who are on Twitter saying, hey, this was awesome. Go check out this talk. Of course, Eric mentions in the article here, he says, 
one of the things that stuck out to him is how impossible it is to please everyone, right? And you're always going to have that. I think he said that out of the 500 some people that took it, there was uh, 115 people who were kind of like indifferent, like passive. And then there were others who were uh, detractors, which you'll have that, right? There's just no way to please everybody. Yeah. If you've ever done something out in the open uh, and you've basically opened yourself up for criticism, yeah. you're going to get some. It's just the way that it is. So uh, overall, everything went really well and everybody had lots of great feedback. So that's really exciting. I think that Laracon Online next year will probably just get bigger. Absolutely. Especially now that they've got, you know, a year to prepare for it instead of the six weeks that, that realistically, they did a really, really good job of getting it done in six weeks. Yeah. Okay. Code number two for FBAR. Here it is. Everybody get your pens ready. C427C235. There you go. Another happy winner of FBAR. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some other happenings that are kind of going on in the community. This last week, we had some outages with DNS stuff with Ubuntu. Michael, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So it's an interesting. I was actually speaking with Eric Barnes uh, the night before it sort of like hit, I guess. And he was, you know, was asking me, what do I do about this error message? What, where did it come from? And I said, uh, sounds like something DNS related, you know, try this and try that and, and see what happens. As it turns out, there was a security release or a security patch that, that uh, Canonical, the, the, the people behind the Ubuntu operating system had released as a, you know, a critical security vulnerability. So anyone who's using a Forge-based server would likely have been affected by this if they were doing any kind of you know, API requests to third-party services. And basically what, what had happened because the, you were using a Forge server and because uh, automated security updates were installed, you know, this security patch would have come through. Now, the problem was that PHP FPM, which is what's used to sort of interface between the PHP language and your web server of choice, isn't actually listed, I believe, as one of the services that needs to be restarted when this particular update was um, rolled out. So what happened was after DNS had timed out, the request was made, you know, you had to go and look up the IP address. That failed because the underlying DNS resolver had been changed in some way. And so that's, that's where heaps of people started running into issues. So Unfortunately, it was a bit hit and miss. You know, no one really knew what had happened. There was the the report was on the Ubuntu website, but it was kind of it went very much into the specifics around what went wrong and why they were fixing it and and that kind of thing. But it didn't really sort of talk much about how that might have you know wider wider spread effects. So, a long story short, you know, people were having issues. No one was, you know, Linode was like, well, we don't know anything about this. And DigitalOcean was saying the same sort of thing. And then, you know, I'm sure Taylor had a terrible day. Because, oh, you know, yeah. And he was in Texas, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he, I'm pretty sure he was away. I saw some photos. Yeah, he was of, like on vacation or something. Of course. Yeah. yeah, of course, something like this happens while you're out of state. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're away from everything. And suddenly, you know, Forge is having issues and Envoy is having issues and, and whatever else. There are problems all around. And then everyone who's deploying servers with Forge is having issues. And, you know, Taylor's obviously on vacation trying to sort this stuff out. Seemed like he got quite flustered with it. And then he got 
quite flustered with you know people making alternative suggestions on different operating <laughs> systems to use. And what, what was the other one they were suggesting? They kept um, suggesting. A lot of people were suggesting Debian, but then people were suggesting use CentOS and use Red Hat. And, you know, everyone everyone yeah, threw I, their hat into the into the ring. Yeah, so. I think he said at one point, he said, if anybody, the next person that suggests Debian is getting blocked. <laughs> it's like, if one more person tells me right. to use Debian. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, so, you know, I mean, eventually everyone figured out what, to what went wrong and and ultimately it came down to just restarting um fpm which you can do through the forge interface which is nice were you able to do that through the forge interface because of the stuff or no, did you actually, actually have to SSH i think in? i saw someone had tweeted that you could do it but it was failing silently and that you know forge wasn't picking it up so you actually had to ssh into the server yeah. to, to restart it so, you know, that was that was another problem. And, you know, if you've got multiple servers, then you're going to have issues there. But the real kicker was that after everyone had sort of smoothed it all out and was back on track, Ubuntu decided to put out another security patch the very next day to roll back the change that had oh caused so many issues the day before. And guess what? It still wasn't flagging that FPM had to be restarted. Oh, so, my gosh. Are you serious? All those issues came up again the next day. So, look, it's it's. I, I can't remember the last time that I experienced this kind of issue with Ubuntu. It's not, you know, it's like these things happen. We we all have issues from time to time. You know, granted, we probably don't create issues at this bigger scale. Ultimately, they were trying to do the right thing. You know, it's hard to sure. say. Sure. You know, they obviously they can't can't account for every single configuration on every single server so i'm sure we'll all forget about it in a little while and uh everything will will just continue as it was before i guess that had to be pretty frustrating though for people who are expecting to be able to restart so okay the solution is restart fpm great they go into forge and they go to restart it and it's like okay looks like it restarted but obviously taylor's stuff was having the same problems that everybody else's stuff was right so it's yeah so failing silently, and now you've got people who are probably doubly frustrated because there's like, it's still not working. I restarted. Why isn't it working? Yeah. No, nope, it, it didn't actually restart. You have to SSH in. Yeah. Speaking of that, I kind of have a little bit of a a weird scenario. So I, this the one thing that I've noticed with FBAR is that if you are managing a, and this is, this is again, this is a really weird use case, but I'm just going to mention it real quick. If you have a box that's inside your building that you've provisioned using Forge, so you can kind of have a box inside your building. You can poke a hole in your firewall and say, hey, Forge, you can talk to my box only through your IP. What you have to do to SSH into that box that's in your building is actually use its local IP. And uh-huh. so when you go to your open open in your terminal and SSH into it from FBAR, obviously it only looks at the external IP and tries to SSH the external IP of the box that you're using. So... Which it's not fine. really a limitation. It's just kind of a weird <laughs> glitch. I'm sure that's like, I'm probably one of the very few people who has that problem. Uh, and I don't know if I mentioned it before or not, but one of the top requests uh, has been the use of multiple API keys. So talk to the creator and he said that has been the, you know, that has been really, really asked for. And so it's going to be coming soon, he said. So that's good. So if you have multiple Forge accounts that you kind of help manage, you'll be able to push both API keys in here and get all the boxes. So that's pretty helpful. Yeah. That is indeed. Uh, there was another article that came out on Laravel News this week that was using variables 
in your .env file. So everybody should hopefully be familiar with a .env file. And what this typically does is allows you to keep things that are sensitive out of your source code. So you don't want to be committing your AWS keys or your credentials for using MailChimp or whatever it might be. You don't want those to be in your code because if there was a possibility that it got out, if you accidentally made your private repo on GitHub not private for two seconds and now it's cached out there, then people could get those keys and obviously abuse them. So your .env file allows you to take those pieces of critical sensitive information and move them out into a file that does not get committed to your repo. So that's what the .env file accomplishes. However, it's pretty much just a dumb text file is really what it comes down to, right? You define a variable name yeah. essentially, so like mail underscore username, and then you say equals, and then you put in what the username would be. So that's kind of just how it's been. But apparently, while digging through the package that Laravel uses to kind of manage these .env files, I think Matt, I was talking to Matt Stauffer, he had found it, and then somebody else had tweeted about it. But basically, you can declare variables in here. So you can reuse pieces of information throughout your .env file. So one of the things that they give as an example is, for, for instance, if you were using mail username and your mail from address was the same, what you can do is you can reference one of your previously set variables by just putting dollar sign brackets and then using the key of that env setting, right? So you could have mail from address equals dollar sign bracket mail username end bracket. Yeah. So the thing that this uh, seemed possibly useful to me for is if you have a couple different configurations that all need maybe like an AWS, an AWS credential. Like so you maybe you have an, uh, an IAM user set up in, in, um, on, on AWS and you need that to be set in a couple different ENVs. Well, instead of having to copy and paste that around, you can set it once at the top and then you can reference it in your ENV in a couple different places. So it seemed like it could be useful. And uh, I think I'll take a look at, at using that in the near future here. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that Taylor had tweeted about, I think just yesterday, which probably doesn't mean a lot to people listening to this when we actually release the episode, but he was talking about a one-click sort of upgrade within Laravel Forge again to change or to upgrade your PHP from version 7 to version 7.1. So that should be out on Monday, the 27th of March. That's, that's the date we have currently. I would have used that twice already. Yeah. That would be super handy. Yeah, yeah it, it, uh, it annoys me when I log into Forge and I see that I've got two servers and one of them is on 7.1 and the other one is still running 7.0. So, Yes, that is frustrating. <laughs> and, it, you know, I, I don't really want to futz around with it, doing it manually or anything like that. So we'll just leave yeah. it until this is available and then uh, go from there. That's what we ended up doing too is we didn't want to mess with the upgrade. We just created a new box. Yeah. And started putting new stuff on there, moved a couple other things over. But now we'll just be able to click a button and see it yep. update, which is, man, that's really handy. Absolutely. The, the other thing that was uh, announced as part of that upgrade announcement was that there will be automatic optimization of opcache, or opcache, depending on which part of the world you come from, I guess. <laughs> so opcache is something that has been shipping with PHP since version 5.5. And what it essentially does is stores pre-compiled script in memory. So essentially what this does is each time a PHP script is compiled for the first time, it's stored in memory. 
And it's, it's basically referenced again anytime it's needed as opposed to every time you load it. So this helps to speed, speed up the loading of your application once those pages have been loaded for the first time. So that obviously you don't have to recompile that code each time. So that is something that I don't know the specifics of. There wasn't, there wasn't much detail around what the optimizations will be, but I'm sure once that's available in Forge, we'll have some more information on Laravel News. So is Opcache something that you have to enable specifically on your box? Does it ship by default with Forge, with a Forge provisioned box? Do you have any idea? Uh, I believe it is enabled by default. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is enabled by default since version 5.5. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, I, I had forgotten the name for what Opcache was. I knew that, I knew what it was when you started talking about it, but that's pretty neat that it's enabled by default. And if you've got, PHP 7 and you've got Opcache, you've got a lot more speed than you did even just a couple of years ago. So that's yeah. awesome. I was going to say, while, while we're talking about Forge and, and having just spoken about FBAR again, maybe we could uh, give away another one of these FBAR codes. Go for All it. All right. Pens. E C 3 F B B 4 3. Awesome. So if you, like me, are not a hater of PHP Storm and are instead a lover of PHP Storm, you are in for some good news because PHP Storm 2017.1 was just released. And actually, the there's a couple reasons I knew about it. One of the reasons was because this week I was trying to get emojis in my PHP code, which sounds a little bit silly, right? It was uh, the only examples you ever see of that are the ones where people make like the poop emoji equal to something and set it as a variable and then sprinkle it throughout <laughs> their entire class, right? That's <laughs> That was not the point of what I was trying to do. I actually was trying to use an emoji as the beginning of a subject line. So in Outlook, you can now do that. So there's support for emojis in Outlook subject lines, which is pretty handy. And we had something at work where I basically wanted to be able to set statically, fill it in for these people. Here's the emoji at the beginning of the subject line. So it was really kind of a pain to get that in, in PHP Storm. So I tweeted out to Farik and said, hey, is there any way, because I know he's a big PHP Storm user. I said, is there any way to get emoji support in PHP Storm. He said, nope, there's not. So you'll have to use my package. Of course, he has a package for it. <laughs> uh, so he has an emoji package, which allows you to easily pull in emoji Unicode stuff. Mm -hmm. But then somebody tweeted him and said, actually, if you go to the, basically the bleeding edge version of PHP Storm, the early access program, mm -hmm. it has emoji support. So I tried that out and sure enough, it did. So I had already done the code and committed it and pushed it up. So I just said, forget it. And then the next day, of course, on Laravel News, I see 2017.1 is out. And what do you know? It has emoji support. So that's the only feature. That's it, everybody. That's all I want to know. No, I'm just kidding. There's actually a ton, a ton of new things. I'm kind of going to go down the list here and hit the highlights. First up was support for PHP Unit 6. So PHP Unit 6 has been released recently, and you've got auto-completing and things like that based on the PHP Unit 6 methods. There's improved support for Laravel Blade. So it will do auto completion and it includes now the at include when directive, the at component directive, the at slot directive. There are parameter hints, which I'm not actually a huge fan of. Basically, what this allows you to do is if a method type hints null, or not maybe not type hints null, but is set to null by default, you don't necessarily know what it is. So when you're typing out the arguments, it'll actually say, this is a variable called search. This is a variable called replace, just so you can easily know, oh, that's what that argument is looking for. I need to go ahead and 
and type in what I what I'm searching and what I'm yeah. replacing here. I didn't find it overly helpful. It was actually really confusing when I first upgraded. I saw these little and they're really ugly by default too actually. So I disabled that out of the box, but maybe that's something that's helpful to you so it's got that. It has a recognition of PHP class names in strings. So if you've been using Laravel for a long time and you've got old projects in your service providers list, so in your app.php it used to be that all of the service providers were listed just as a fully qualified namespace in a string. And since then, we've actually swapped that out to have the class name and then dot dot or colon colon class. And in PHP Storm, you can command click on those classes and it'll take you directly to that location. That was not the case if you used a string to use the fully qualified namespace. But now it will do that. It will go ahead and recognize those class names in strings. And so you can quickly get to those, which is pretty handy. There is improved PHP formatting. So again, if you've gone through Jeffrey Way's setup of PHP Storm, I think it's like making PHP Storm awesome, I think is what it's called. You can, on my keyboard, it's Command-Alt-L, and you can set up a bunch of formatting rules for your PHP and say, for instance, I want to have a space after an if statement, or I want to always use single quotes instead of double quotes. There's a couple new options that you can configure here, like placing parens after a constructor or converting else if statements. So those have been added. Another one that's actually really handy that I've found looking through the changes here is there is a quick fix for undefined variables. So let's say that you are using an anonymous function and you are, let's say you're using a collection pipeline, you have to use an anonymous function and you are using a variable, but you forgot to put that variable in a use statement with that anonymous function. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so if you did that, if you're referencing a variable that's outside of the scope of that closure, you can just do a quick fix on it and it will add it to the use statement there on the end of that anonymous function, which is pretty handy. Oh, it also now ships with Vue.js support. Oh. So you don't have to install it separately. It is, it is now built in. So it seems like this is really, I, I think that maybe PHP Storm has gotten some love from the Laravel community. Hmm. And so it's kind of tailoring itself a little bit, not oh. uh, pun oh. intended tailoring itself. Very nice. So it's got blade support, you know, Vue.js support, shipping with these things, which is really nice. So you don't have to pull them in separately. Yeah. One of the things that was kind of interesting that I noted was that they actually have completion for modules in your package.json. So package.json is where everything kind of saves to when you do npm install, let's say Laravel mix. So if you're in your package.json, you can start to type in a package name and it will actually make suggestions for you on a lot of the ones that are commonly used, like lodash, request, async, underscore, express, those sorts of things. If you're trying to type those in into your package.json, it will actually suggest them for you and then it will grab the latest version and description for you and, uh, and show those and, uh, and inject it into your package.json. So just little helpers there. There's a couple different things with the version control and search and find and path that have been improved. But overall, it looks to be a really great release. I've already updated, I've been using it. And of course, you also have emoji support. <laughs> so if for nothing else, if for no other reason, you should be upgrading to PHP Storm 2017.1 for that reason alone. I just like to point out that my Sublime text has had emoji support for a long time. I know. I was actually using Sublime kind of instead of PHP <laughs> Storm for this one little thing. I was like, ah, Forget it. I'll just use some <laughs> some Sublime Text. So I love Sublime Text. It's great. I just like PHP Storm better most of the time. I did. I did actually consider having a poke around with PHP Storm again. Now that there's a new version out, it looks like there's some 
some cool things in there worth worth using. I do like that they've got current scope highlighting. Um, so you can see, you know, if you're on an if. Yeah, so, you, you know, you, so you can navigate between matching pairs of if if statements or, you know, HTML stuff. I don't know how long that's been in there otherwise, but kind of handy. It's always annoying when, you know, you've got some statement or some usually HTML heaven forbid that you have an if statement that spans more than one screen <laughs> but you know when you've got some html and you're trying to figure out if you've closed a, a tag or something and you're scrolling up to see where everything matches up can be a bit tedious at times yeah also if you follow adam wathen you have probably seen or maybe not he has a nice little package that he's developed that allows you to very very quickly run your tests for a specific file that you have open. So if you've seen his talks and things like that, you'll notice that he's in a class uh, or in a test and he saves it and it's kind of already running before he gets to the gets to his terminal. Have you ever noticed that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's kind of develops a, a package and I think David Hemphill helped him with that to be able to either run an entire test or to just run a single test within one of your test mm-hmm. files. And uh, actually PHP Storm has that as well now. So if you, there's an article out there, Adam had tweeted at somebody asking if they knew how to do that in PHP Storm. And one of the guys on the team actually wrote up an article on how you can do that in PHP Storm. It's not as good as Adam's yet. You have to, I think you actually have to go over and right click on the test file Mm. and say like run this method Mm. or only run this test, which doesn't seem great. There may be a way to set up a shortcut for it. I only briefly tested it. I think I just found out about it on Thursday and I just kind of tried it out real quick. It did seem to work. It did not seem as good as the Sublime kind of way of doing it, but it's out there. So I'm sure if we get enough push on it, they will make it so you can do it really easily from a keyboard shortcut. So Very good. There we are. PHP Storm for the win. Very good. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the episode this week. This is episode 34, so you can find the show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 34. If you liked the episode, please feel free to rate it up in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is always very much appreciated. If you have any questions for us, please reach out to us on Twitter at Laravel News or on our personal Twitter handles. We would love to hear any questions that you have that you would love answered on the show. Michael, until next time, my friend. I'll be to Zen. And the last code. Eight, four, D, A, C. Nine, eight, nine. Enjoy.